Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by an amazing woman who would like to be introduced as Jenny from the Block, which is the most perfect introduction for her. I'm actually joined by Angela. Angela is a mum of two amazing kids. She's a healthcare professional and she's a former craft lover. So we might get into that in a little bit. So today we're actually going to be talking about ADHD and what it's like to be diagnosed with ADHD as an adult woman. So thank you so much for joining me today, Angela. Thanks for inviting me, Emma. So we are talking about ADHD and you are, I suppose you're no longer a child. I am no longer a child. Which is a good thing because you've got two. So. <laughs> Definitely a good thing. Um, but you were just recently diagnosed with ADHD. Yes, I was. Yeah, in January of this year. Ah, wow. So it is really recent. Um, so tell me, what got you started on that journey? Okay, I had a friend uh, on Facebook who posted some meme or infographic about executive function. Mm -hmm. I had literally no idea what executive functioning meant. So I started looking into that sort of thing, a little bit of Dr. Googling, um, watching a few YouTube videos and suddenly I realised I was ticking a lot of boxes. Mm. And then, of course, the Facebook recommendations of videos and things and oh, yeah. watch this and read this. You've and talked about this once, therefore we're going to flood you with absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And suddenly I was reading things that made sense and I made sense to me and I started sharing some of these snippets with my husband saying, what do you think about this? Mm. What does this look like in my life? And I've explored a lot of avenues around mental health over my adult life in particular. Mm -hmm. I also have depression and anxiety. And my experience with treatment and counselling and medication and all the rest of it still left me feeling like there was something else going on. Mm. And I have actually joked with a psychiatrist in the past and please, no disrespect to people who are genuinely struggling with this mental health condition, but I said, I wish I was manic mm. because then I would actually move and get things done. And they didn't quite know how to take it and I maybe shouldn't have said it, but at the time I, I literally just craved some energy yeah. to get me out of the slump that I was in. And it's, you want to do these things. Yes. Like, I know that I really want to clean my craft room. I also know that if I sit on the couch, I can scroll through Facebook for two hours <laughs> and then I don't have time to clean the craft room. You know, like, yes, the will is there. That's as far as it goes. No. Well, see, I never had a lot of will to do those sorts mm. of things, but I did have a lot of shoulds. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Like I want it to be clean, but I don't want to be the person to clean it. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Why can't somebody just come in and do it for yeah, me? That um, I don't have to organise. And that, you know, I used to really hate that about myself. Why can't I just do it? Yeah. But anyway, going back to your original question. So, yeah, lots of doctor Googling, a few self-assessment screening tools online and reading a few articles here and there and watching a few more YouTube videos and I went to my GP um, who just recently been handed my care from a previous GP and I have since described her as a orthopaedic surgeon in a GP's body. Oh. She was abrupt and rude and 
disrespectful, gave no credit to my um, experience as a healthcare professional, Mm. talked down to me and basically assumed that I was there on a drug-seeking mission. And I'm here on an Angela-seeking mission. Exactly, exactly. My husband was with me and at the time he said, if that was my appointment, I would have walked out. Mm. He said it was yours. I had to sit there and respect your experience, but that was the most difficult and ridiculous appointment I've ever sat through. And that's really hard as well because you think that was no doubt how you were feeling, Mm. but because he stayed sitting down, you're like, I need somebody to actually validate this while I'm in it and to go, you know what? We're not going to sit through this. Well, I think I was actually in shock. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not a confrontational person Mm. at all. So there was no way I was going to pull her up on the way she was down talking to us. Yeah. And I walked out of there and I think my eyes must have been about the size of dinner plates. Yeah. And he just said, what a load of rubbish. Yeah. So anyway, in the meantime, she had given me only one good piece of advice and that was to look at look for a psychiatrist. Mm. Only private psychiatrists can diagnose Medicaid here in Western Australia mm-hmm. um, and it's different in every other state and yeah. country of the world. Yeah. So I started doing that and I was finding... So not even any recommendations no, for you? No, no, no. She, and she did say to me, if you want me to continue treating you for this condition once you get a diagnosis, I won't be that person. Oh, that's okay. You weren't top yeah. of my list, love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a fun experience. But that must have been really disheartening. Like it's, it's really difficult to put yourself mm. out there and to go in there going... I'm at my most vulnerable right now mm. and instead of being met and held and supported, you were met with somebody who just shut you down. Mm. Absolutely. Like, to she then was, continue yeah. looking would have been – I would have found that really hard. I think I knew obviously from that experience but I had met her before and mm. I knew that she wasn't the person for me uh-huh. and I was quite confident that I could move on yeah. uh, to somebody different. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, I'd also had a conversation with my psychologist and I've worked with her um, for two years. I've done various other psychology um, therapies over the years, but she's been amazing. And I I sat down and, again, I took my husband with me and I said, we want to talk to you about the possibility that I might have ADHD. And her eyes turned into dinner plates. She's like, oh, of course. (laughs) That yeah, you mentioned makes it. That sense. makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, she said, I've also had uh, a number of other women having this exact question mm. in the last few months. Mm. And she'd recently been to a, a workshop on ADHD as a, you know, as a psychologist. And, yeah. and so, yeah, she totally supported our decision to keep exploring it. I had various uh, contacts with psychiatrists around um, the city and many of them had wait lists of eight nine months and I stumbled across one actually from my psychologist recommendation who had just opened up her Ah. own practice and at the time she was only working one day a week in that practice and I was fortunate enough to get to see her within three weeks oh wow of my initial phone call yeah and There was a lot of uh, second-guessing myself. What if I'm making this up? What if it's all literally just in Mm. my head? What if this is completely irrelevant to my experience and I have some other psychological condition going on? And it's that kind of what do I want to have this label or 
do I, you know, what if I don't have it and actually I'm just broken? Or yeah. what if I don't have it, but actually there's something so much worse going on? Yes. So, yes. you know, do I actually want to explore this and find out what the answer is? Yes. I should just mention that I did see a second GP in the process mm. and he to get was the very supportive, yeah. very encouraging, but also very realistic. And he, you know, gave me some pros and cons about the diagnosis if that was to happen. Mm. Uh, but he was honest and empathetic and I really valued his contribution to that process so anyway I saw this psychiatrist we had the initial clinical history taking session again I took my husband with me because I he knows me better than I know myself yeah and he was able to offer some really valuable observations and to support the things that I was saying because I do find that I often get a bit tongue-tied bamboozled can't quite express what I want to say and I knew that he would have my back yeah but we walked out of that appointment feeling I laughed and we high-fived in the hallway because I felt so completely understood and validated even though she said I suspect that this is possibly ADHD yeah but I'm not going to give you that diagnosis yet Mm. but the fact that she recognized that I was onto something. Yeah. Really helped me to feel like, okay, this is good. Yeah. This is going somewhere. Yeah. And also that, you know, it wasn't like, well, actually, you are completely off track. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sometimes so... people are just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, of course, in the meantime, and it was just before Christmas, we started doing a lot more reading and researching and, and videos and stuff. Mm. And the more and more I read and researched, the more and more I knew that I was right yeah and I think it really blew my mind that I had lived in a world of struggle Mm. thinking that I was defective and less than and never good enough for my whole life yeah and I was excited that I was about to open the door to a whole new world yeah and I knew it was unrealistic to expect instant miracles yeah and that maybe medication wasn't the path for me and maybe um I just had to learn new skills strategies yeah strategies Mm. and it was it was difficult in those initial weeks of waiting for the next couple of appointments and assessments to go by to think how are we going to go forward with this what does this actually mean for who I am and how I'm going to exist in the world exactly Mm. um and at the end of the day is there anything that is actually going to help me here? Or do I just have to continue living like this? And that must have been challenging as well because what's the point of having a label if now I know about it but... I can't do anything. I can't do anything yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I'm doing this to make it better. No, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, look, it was a fascinating process. We did lots of assessments with her. Um, my husband did a few. I did a few different ones to him. And... At the end of the day, she was able to say, yes, I am confident that this is what we're dealing with here. But it wasn't just ADHD. It was primarily inattentive. Mm. Um, There are three variations of ADHD. Uh, Most people would know previously it was ADHD and ADD. ADD, Um, So I have what we would have called the ADD Mm. version. Um, And so just learning... That it is not the typical eight-year-old boy bouncing off the wall at the back of the classroom, the naughty boy scenario, the yeah. teenage delinquents, all of that sort of thing. That 
was not obviously something that I resonated with in having the inattentive diagnosis. Yeah. But to suddenly see that my experiences as a child, teenager, young adult, professional, mother, partner, Mm. all of these things started to fall into place as to why I do things the way I do and why my husband does sometimes choose to stay silent (laughs) (laughs) rather than questioning why I might be walking left when the car is obviously in the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) And I am grateful every single day for his patience and his... If he could teach my husband to stay silent about those kinds of things, that'd be great because he takes great delight in pointing out that I'm going in completely the wrong direction. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. When I think about the 20 years that we've been married prior to this diagnosis and some of the experiences that I may have put him through, I really am... So blessed. (laughs) (laughs) But they make for interesting stories. They do. You know, there's always a silver lining. (laughs) Always a silver lining. And do you know what the best thing about being diagnosed now is, and I know you're probably going to ask me that way down the line, but I can laugh at myself. Yeah. I have learnt to find the joy in the silly, clumsy, ridiculous scenarios that I have found myself in and even the silly ones that I've found myself in since being diagnosed. Man, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> I really hope we get to them. <laughs> yeah. And that is one of the things. So I guess you touched on the fact that we have this idea that ADHD are the naughty naughty boys in the class. Um, and they're the ones that, you know, the teachers are counting down the minutes until they're going down to the office to get their next tablet. Um, but it's not always like that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um To be honest, there's probably only one or two boys in my schooling experience who I would have, looking back now, considered were ADHD, Mm. but never a girl. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Never a girl. Yeah. And when I was thinking about the differences between boys and girls in Mm. school sort of ages, the girls are going to be typically the ones who are staring off out the window, Mm. who forget to hand in an assignment or like me, are the ones up at 4am the morning. Finishing the assignment. Finishing the day, the day it's, it's due. Yeah. Calling my parents every night the week before a major assessment is due. Saying, In a I panic. don't know yeah. where to start. <laughs> I am freaking out. I haven't got a clue what I'm meant to be doing. I don't know what the question's asking. What do I do? Yeah. Tears and tantrums. Just out of interest, how many times did your parents say to you, why did you not come to me sooner? Never. Oh, really? Because that comes out of my mouth with my daughter all the time. We've talked about this, honey. (laughs) Uh, Look, I I am having conversations with my children about things like that, yes. (laughs) But how can I be hard on them in that way Mm. when I understand that it comes from me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I do look at my parents and I can see that particularly with one of them, there are definitely traits of ADHD and you know, just being aware that there's a huge genetic component Mm. um, has made quite a difference. But, you know, the ditzy, uh, daydreamy kind of maybe forget their sports uniform kind of... That's what you would see in a typical ADHD girl. Yeah. Obviously, there are hyperactive girls. There are girls with combined type. Yeah. But up until maybe 20 years ago, girls didn't even get a look in. Mm. But do you think it was even 20 years ago? I'm wondering if it was 
more recent than that. Actually, you're right. It's probably mm. more like 10 years. Yeah. And with adults with the diagnosis. five. Much more so here in Australia. Yeah. I think the information that I'm hearing from particularly America is that perhaps around 20 years ago, oh, wow. adults started to be researched more. Mm. And people just thought you grew out of ADHD. Mm, yeah. Nah, no, that yeah. doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, a lot of children have been written off over the years with undiagnosed ADHD mm. and... I've read many times that a significant number of our young offenders mm, are yeah. actually undiagnosed ADHD yeah. sufferers. Yeah. And that's just tragic. Yeah. yeah. These people could have entirely different lives if someone had just understood a bit more and not stereotyped. Yeah. And it's the hard thing because once the stereotypes start, it go you know, it just sort of goes down from there, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um yeah. And so I do. I definitely want to get into that stereotype question, but I just wanted to highlight that despite this idea of people with ADHD not being able to achieve things, so we sort of have this idea that the people who grew up with ADHD, they are likely to end up not being able to finish school, mm. not being able to go to uni, not being able to hold down a job. Teenage pregnancies, things like that. Yeah. So we've got that idea and yet you did finish high school. Mm-hmm. You went to university. Mm-hmm. You held down a professional job for however many decades and <laughs> didn't fall pregnant until you wanted to <laughs> So and stayed out of jail. I so did, I did. All the ticks yes. for you. Yeah, all the ticks for me. And I've been really fortunate. I've never had any um, speeding fines. So, you know, I've, I've just been lucky. You kept forgetting <laughs> to put your foot on the pedal, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, I've just avoided the cameras because uh, I know I may have gone over the limit once or once twice. Once or twice. <laughs> uh. So... I guess what I wanted to mm. say is that anybody who might be listening who may think that they may have had ADHD or maybe recognising it in their children, it's not the same kind of sentence that we would have thought about oh, no. 20, 30 years ago. No. You no. know, there are there are different things that people can do in order to be able to reach their potential. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think our children are very fortunate, even though the resources may not be there, mm. There is at least least still some acknowledgement that children with learning difficulties, which ADHD is considered, have extra requirements and therefore resources are often available for them, which gives them a better chance of succeeding, of feeling like a valued member of the team, of reaching their potential or at least coming close to it. And I think that's really a good thing. Um, and definitely more awareness. But like with many in, many mental health conditions, we just need to get rid of the stigma. Which is literally exactly where I was going, so that's a beautiful segue. <laughs> <laughs> there, Look, is there still that stigma around? As somebody who went as an adult to mm-hmm. try and get diagnosed, was there a concern that sat there for you around what that label would mean? They're probably two separate questions. I think there is, yes, still a stigma around, mm. but I think it's more just a lack of understanding. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of people thought that you grew out of ADHD mm. and a lot of adult women in particular these days are being diagnosed as a result of having their children diagnosed. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as they're sitting there filling out the box, they're going, hang on a minute, <laughs> who am I filling this out for? <laughs> That's right. I didn't care. Yeah. I was at the point of I just have to know. I need to know what's going on with me. Yeah. 
I need to not feel like such a failure. Yeah. And if it meant that I had to walk around with my nose painted blue for the rest of my life to identify me as an ADHDer, I would have done that. I wondered why he'd come in with a blue nose. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's a ridiculous example, but no, I know. I I just needed to be able to say, "Yeah, that's me." Yeah. And I have had so many friends and people that I know come to me and say, "Thanks for," because I I did post something on Facebook. Yeah. And thanks for identifying that, Mm. and thanks for speaking up about that. I also have it, and I wish I'd had the courage. Yeah, and it's. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you are quite, you're an oversharer. Yep. Uh, but, also, <laughs> but also a private person. Yes. So, you know, reading those kinds of posts, you sort of go, oh, it's, it's sort of an interesting balance mm. that, you, um, that you have. But to go, you know what, this is about raising awareness because when mm. we raise awareness, we decrease stigma. Absolutely. And I think... You see me as a private person because I have spent my life masking, yeah. which is what many people with mental health issues, mm. with ADHD, with you learn to cover it up, you learn your coping strategies as exhausting as they are, yeah. but you learn to find a way to look or feel slightly more normal and to tick the appropriate boxes. Yeah. And in classic ADHD mode, I've totally forgotten where that thought was going. <laughs> Balance, um, um, private versus oh, yeah. oversharer. So, yeah, private versus oversharing. Um, so, yeah, I've learnt these skills, these strategies to avoid looking weird or mm. saying the wrong thing. I often don't say anything mm. because I don't want to be the person saying the completely wrong thing. Whereas now with this, because I 100% connect with the diagnosis, I understand myself yeah. and I can't bear the thought that there is a single other woman in the whole world that feels as bad about themselves as I did. I genuinely want any woman to explore the possibility if she has questions about herself. And I don't want people to feel ashamed to identify the fact that their brain is a little bit different. Mm. Do you still feel like you have to mask who you are? I mean, it's only six months on. So, you know, you weren't expecting a complete personality change overnight. But are you still as afraid of being seen as being weird? No, I'm not. Mm. And again, you know, just talking about being able to laugh at myself. I now joke with my kids about, look what mum did. How ridiculous (laughs) is that? Or how funny is that? You know, oh, that's that's ADHD for you. Yeah. Uh, Just to be able to, uh, I suppose, lighten the atmosphere around it to be able to normalize it a little Mm. bit more one of my children has said to me I'd like to be assessed at some point because I I I can see these things in myself which is wonderful yeah to have the open conversation to have them realize that well mum's okay yeah yeah that's it so there's no point in masking yeah and I like I literally don't care what people think of me with my oversharing mm. about ADHD now because this is so important. Just so you know, I love a good oversharer <laughs> about any topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm open to any of it. Yeah. Um, but it's I suppose when you you know when you are sharing about it, 
it's also letting mums know that if they're recognised, or, or and dads, mm-hmm. but you know if they're recognising that in their children, that it's not something to be afraid of or ashamed no, of. No. And being able to have those open conversations with kids in a way that doesn't, you're not telling you, your child that they're that this is something that they have to hide mm. from or be ashamed of. It's just part of who you are and we're all unique we're all different oh, absolutely so i'm not sure that there is a neurotypical person out there <laughs> <laughs> no there are many things about adhd that everyone can relate to mm. but it's what i've found is that it's the debilitating functions that come with it that yeah. are what I suppose, takes you to the diagnosis point. Yeah, okay, mm. I just wanted to clarify there. Yeah. Um, not suggesting everyone has ADHD, just suggesting that this idea of neurotypical, mm. we're all different. Oh, we absolutely you know? are. And Same as a- hair colour and eye colour and height and shoe size and all those things. That's there is it. nothing uh, that is not unique about us. Yeah, and, you know, we've both sat here with blue eyes, but very different blue eyes. So yeah. I think... Mine are actually green. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I need to put my glasses on. <laughs> Then they're really different <laughs> colours. <laughs> um, but, you know, that idea that, well, we have to – we don't talk about that. And we can't tell anybody because if you tell somebody, then that's going to change how people interact mm. with you. Yeah. So um, – and how much people can trust you. Yeah, definitely. And I have had, like I said, um, various people come to me and say, thank you so much for being honest about mm. that. I'm actually thinking about looking into it for myself. Can we get together and talk about it? about your experience, about what I'm thinking about myself, about my child. Yeah. I'm not an expert on ADHD and there's only so much information that I can retain, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just want to be able to open up those conversations for people and to give them some hope. Mm. And also, I think in the way that we relate to our children, to our family members, why should we be hiding this part of ourselves yeah. whether it's depression whether it's anxiety yeah. whether it's autism whether it's any other mm. um mental health or or brain difference the neurodivergence why should it be hidden away in a box yeah. that's it and the other thing is that the more we talk about it the more that the people who surround those people can come up with skills and strategies to support them as well yeah definitely so, you know, for me as an employer, it's really useful for me to learn more about it so mm. I can find out how I can work with neurodiverse staff members. Mm-hmm. My mum's a teacher. It's really useful for her to know more so she can work out how to support students in her class. So for the people who are experiencing it, but also the people who are around them as well. Yeah. Can I just go back right to the beginning? Mm-hmm. What's executive functioning? <laughs> okay. So the front part of your brain, mm-hmm. the prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. deals with time management, organisation, motivation, strategies, being able to do things in a coordinated, functional, uh, step-by-step manner. Mm -hmm. I have none of those skills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mine didn't turn on, but (laughs) I believe I've got a frontal cortex. (laughs) There are other aspects of yeah. executive functioning again I can't remember them <laughs> uh, I think forgetfulness is actually part of that, that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the things that I learned from just looking at executive functioning disorder or yeah. um, executive functioning processes was mind-blowing mm. uh, yeah now executive functioning does that always go hand in hand or lack of executive functioning does that always go hand in hand with ADHD or are they 
you're just really lucky to have I, hit the jackpot I think, with both. I think there is a lot of correlation. Yeah. Um, I think some of the authors that I've listened to and read talk about the fact that there are executive functioning disorders or mm. conditions that are separate. Yeah. But like with the inattentive ADHD, for example, being disorganised, unable to start a project because you don't know what the first step should be. Mm. You also, for me anyway, you also can't see what the outcome should be. What's the final stage of this process? So trying to work through step by step when you don't know where the steps are. It's like trying to work out how do I get to Venus? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's a really good example. I've really struggled with time management Mm. or actually it's more time blindness. Yeah. I don't know how long things take. Mm. I don't know how much time has actually passed. I might think something's been five minutes and it's actually been 45 minutes. Yeah. Or I might be on my phone for an hour, in quotation marks, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually it's now five hours yeah. since I stood up, went to the toilet, had a drink, had something to eat. I've got no idea yeah. of the transition. And so that then leads to being late for things and being disorganised and my kids get hangry because I've forgotten that maybe they need some food. So there's that. Uh, procrastination has always been a big issue for me um so while it may not necessarily be an executive function Mm. the process of motivation and organization is so yeah i i have sat many times at the edge of my bed in tears looking at the doom piles around Mm. my room and i was explaining to emma earlier that doom piles are didn't organize only moved stacks of boxes containers suitcases just random piles around your house looking at these piles and thinking I actually cannot move you could explode a bomb under me and I would not know or be able to get myself up off the bed and it's paralysis I have I've literally said to my mother-in-law one day I'm I'm totally paralyzed here I I cannot make myself take a step any Mm. step whether it's the first step or the 13th step, yeah, I don't know where to start. Is it easier if somebody comes in and tells you where to start? Yeah, it can be. Yeah, I think um, something that I'm learning might work well for me is, I actually can't remember the name that everyone's using for it, but having someone work alongside you, maybe not on the same project, mm. but they are working in the same room yeah. or people do Zoom calls and book appointments to do Zoom calls yeah. um, and basically have a task buddy. Yeah. Like accountability I, buddy type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually want, wanting to ask my mum to come over and sit with me. No, well, not sit, but to be there with me and just talk to me while yeah. I do things. Yeah. Now, I'm 44 years old and I want my mum to come and help me organise my bedroom. Like, there are times that that me really too, gets me I down. I actually don't want her to see what my bedroom looks like. Yeah, I understand. So, <laughs> I understand. So if she could be in the kitchen mm-hmm. while I do that, that would be great. <laughs> yeah yeah and look for work I just um discovered this but for work kind of tasks Mm -hmm. have you heard of cave days no so it's a online program and I've only just Mm -hmm. sort of looked at it once and so I'm not sure how much it costs but it's basically a group of people come together and they'll do a cave day so you book in and so you say that you're going to work on a project for like three hours Mm -hmm. and then so you start there and they go okay what are you going to work on 
and then you just do it. For, but you've got those people there as that accountability buddy because they can see you. So they can see if you pick your phone up or they can see if you get up and wander off. Yeah. And after however long they'll go, okay, everyone stand up and do some stretches or that kind of thing. But I thought, oh, that actually sounds quite useful to oh. know that you've got that set time yeah. that you, you have to be there and, um, yeah, and working together, not necessarily on the same thing, yeah. but to have that accountability. So there's lots and lots of apps and mm. um, ways of doing that. I think what you're talking about there is essentially the Pomodoro method or the, the tomato method. Mm. There's... Uh, like timers that you can set yeah. that look like a tomato and ideally you would do 15 20 minutes have yeah. a five minute break mm. or you know change position change location yeah. whatever but the idea is that you're keeping those short bursts of attention yeah and then coming back with a fresh focus rather than getting stuck down some rabbit hole on google yeah. <laughs> uh, and not actually achieving any of the tasks that you might have told your team you're going to do today yeah but I've just seen this really cool YouTube clip. Yeah. And now yeah. <laughs> Cat <watched>. video. <laughs> <laughs> or even, you know, it's about something that, you know, positivity and, you know, positive psychology, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you start watching the positive psychology video and then 27 videos in and all of a sudden now you're watching something about, you know, Marie Curie. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how did I end up here? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of different ways of doing things. I've found an app that I really like called structured Mm. it is a mac um, operating system and basically you can set up your schedule for the day the week Mm. and it will ping reminders to your watch it'll ping reminders to your phone and i've found that really helpful in a getting me out of bed Mm. b getting my kids to school in an Mm. organized calm manner c helping me get dinner on the table at night and that has been literally one of the biggest things that I've struggled with yeah. as an adult yeah. is knowing what to cook for dinner, knowing how much time I need to make that happen. Yeah. Do I have the ingredients? And if I did happen to stand in front of the cupboard and think I've got nothing to eat when there's a full cupboard, yeah. how do I make a meal for myself and my family appear? Mm. Yeah. And so in using just this app, I have made progress with that. That's awesome. It is not perfect. <laughs> uh, well, I should say I'm not perfect um, because days come by and I look at the ping on my watch and I go, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't need to do that right now. That's I can it. do it later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's been really helpful. Other people choose to write things down. Other people have post-it notes everywhere. Mm. I'm still working on all the strategies that are going to help me going forward. But my biggest goal for the last six months has has actually been getting dinner on the table yeah. in a calm, panic-free way where everyone's fed before we get to hangry. Yeah. So, you know, it's different for everybody. Mm. That might sound like a really simple, basic thing to do. And some people are awesome at it. Mm. It's not me. No, look, it's not me either. And now on a Sunday I make three giant pots of food mm. and so they live on our on our cooktop. Yep. And my kids are a bit bigger than yours. Well, one of them's anyway. Mm. And so they live there, which means the kids can just heat them up and then they can have one of those three things for breakfast, lunch or dinner, yep. uh, which means if I get to the point of going, oh my God, how is it seven o'clock and we haven't thought about dinner, there's food there yes. or you know lunch. So it's about having those strategies. But the other thing is, and I know that this is moving away from ADHD, but we make so many decisions all the time and the mental load that we carry 
means when it comes time to choosing something for dinner, I think, I don't have that in me. I do not have the capacity to think, what do I feel like for dinner? I feel like if somebody could put it in front of me, I'd eat it. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. Yep. But don't make me have to make a decision. That's right. That's right. Decision fatigue is a real thing. Mm. And that is, that's actually one of the things that I look back on and think, yeah, that wasn't normal to spend two days looking for a hotel to stay in when I did a trip to Italy. Like one hotel. Are you sure that's not normal? I don't think so. It doesn't what? seem to take other people that long. <laughs> Feels normal to me. <laughs> But just what is normal? But do you know that leading on from that is the rejection sensitivity, which is a big part of um, ADHD for a lot of people. What if I chose the wrong hotel? Yes. What if it's too far from the train station? What if the room smells? Yeah. That's my fault. I'm a bad person for choosing that hotel. It's all on me. Isn't that crazy Mm. that we take ourselves to those extremes? Yeah. Over something that should be, I need a pillow to put my head on tonight. I'd really like it if we didn't have any bugs in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's yep. it. And having travelled, well, I suppose it's been a while since we travelled, but sometimes that is how low the bar has to go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Again, I'm going to go back to something you said at the beginning about the second GP that you saw, mm-hmm. who said he gave you some pros and cons yep. of what diagnosis may mean. Yeah. Okay. What, what were some of those? Some of the big ones that stood out were that I couldn't decide in the future that I wasn't someone with ADHD. It's permanent and it is a, in this state anyway, it's a reportable condition. So while the driver's licence people don't need to know exactly what my condition is, they need to know that I take a medication. Ah, okay. Uh, That's something new that I learned. Yeah. And in fact, depression, anxiety... All those sorts of things are supposed to be reported. Supposed to be reported, especially if you're taking a medication. So anyway, um, because I mean, the the point with that is that whether you get a diagnosis or you don't Mm -hmm. get the diagnosis, like whether you go for it or not, you still have ADHD. Yeah, you know. So for me, looking at that, going, well, does a label make a difference? Because it's not going to change who you are. No. So it does make a difference um, in terms of employment. Mm. There are some jobs, careers where you would need to declare that you take a medication that may show up in a urine test. Yeah. Um, If I wanted to do. You want to become an elite athlete? Well, yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm working on that. (laughs) Not even remotely. If I wanted to do flying. You've been saying I can't get off the couch (laughs) and now you want me to make me an Olympic swimmer. It would be good for my health yeah. and my ADHD, but yeah. no. If I wanted to do fly-in, fly-out work yeah. on the mines, I would need to declare it. Yeah. And so there's lots of those sorts of impacts. Mm. Obviously, there's the idea of the stigma around yeah. any mental health condition. There is uh, the fact that you may have other comorbid conditions that would reduce the number of medications you could try Mm. that may completely uh, restrict you taking medication for ADHD at all and that was something that I was a little concerned about not because I have any sort of other significant Mm. um, conditions but I just thought well what if what if I can't take the medication and and we talked about this earlier what if this is as good as it gets yeah yeah so look there wasn't I can't think of any other things that he said but he did support being open to exploring it Mm. and in fact he 
told me that his wife was under undergoing um, investigation and assessment for it as well, which I thought was a really nice thing for him to share. Yeah. He didn't have to say that yeah. to make me feel validated, but it helped. Yeah. So, yeah, just knowing that other people are possibly going to judge you or misunderstand mm. you. And you mentioned earlier about as an employer, knowing how to work with or how to um, help people with yeah. neurodiversity. I have seen more and more coming up around people around employers asking in application forms do you consider yourself to be neurodiverse oh wow are you allowed to ask that not really I don't I don't think you should be able to ask that but I think what it is is around a quota you know we've got to meet a quota of having people with certain conditions I just, I can't understand that. If I'm hiring someone, I want to hire the person who's right for the job. Absolutely. Not totally. Not hiring someone to tick a box. No. And as, a, as an employee, I want to be hired for the skills I bring, not because I have a disability. Yeah. Well, uh, by the same token, employers are looking for creative, dynamic, intuitive mm. people who think differently. Yeah. And that is some of the positives of ADHD mm. and autism because we do often look outside the box yeah, and we bring new ideas. Sometimes we can't find the box. That's very, very much the case. Um, it's in a doom pile yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But they do look for that difference mm. and I think that's a great thing. But the question of do I declare this to my employer? Yeah. Should I tell them? How much should I tell them? Mm. That's a really big question on many of the forums that I'm on of, you know, are they legally allowed to ask? Mm. Am I legally obliged to tell yeah. them? Uh, how much? All those sorts of things. So it's a, bit, it's a big question. Yeah. But hopefully with more awareness, more promotion of understanding others and mm. compassion and acceptance, those employers, your colleagues, your workmates are going to be more willing to overlook maybe some of the quirky things that you do and see that you actually have some really awesome things about you. See, the quirky things are the things that I love most about the people I spend time with. Yeah. 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 They're the parts that make me go, do you know what, I love that person. Yeah. I would never have thought of doing it that way, but wow, that really works. Oh, what what was she thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, for me, it's about finding joy and laughter in places and laughing with people at the interesting choices that can sometimes be made. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, yes. Mm. (laughs) So tell me, it's been about six months. Mm -hmm. You've managed to work out how to get your kids to school Mm -hmm. and feed them Mm -hmm. regularly, which apparently we're supposed to do at least three (laughs) times a day, although I have a teenage boy, so Mm -hmm. I think there's three moments of the day he's not eating. Yes. What, What else have you seen as positives from being diagnosed with ADHD? I think for me... The degree of self-acceptance that I have found for the first time in my life, like mm. when I've had the depression, anxiety diagnoses, diagnoses in the past, I've gone, okay, yeah, I've got a mental health condition mm. and sometimes I will connect with someone over that. Again, that's about stigma. It's about not wanting to overshare. But in this, in finding this for me, I have understood myself and laughed at myself and been joyful about being Angela mm. in ways that I never thought I would. I 
thought that my life was going to be a path of self-loathing and disappointment in myself, fearing disappointing others, Mm -hmm. fearing failure and underachievement and all of those things and doing stupid stuff. And I had just gotten to a point of, well, this is it. This is who I am. My poor kids. And I now, I I guess that's partly why I'm so passionate about helping other adults find their way to a diagnosis. Because I really do feel sad that there is so much fear and self-hatred, self-loathing around who we are as adults. And we all have a unique experience. We all have amazing things to bring to the table. Mm. But when you're feeling like I did, you're afraid that no one's going to want to know about it and that they don't want to know what you're really thinking on the inside and how you really feel about yourself. And Mm. I think when I was telling my family about the possibility that this was what I was exploring for me, I was worried that they wouldn't get it, that Mm. they wouldn't see it. And they totally did, like instantly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I I really brought some awareness to each of them in different ways of understanding the things that I've done, the things that I can't do, the things that I don't know how to do, mm. the things that I put off doing. Yeah. And I think it's helped them to accept different aspects of me. Yeah. Not that I've ever felt judged by my family, which I'm very grateful for. Mm. But I think it really helped, you know, my husband um, and my mother-in-law, who we live with, mm. to recognise that I might be having a day where I am struggling. Yeah. And I can put my hand up and say, I really need your help right now because I'm finding this extremely challenging, mm. whether it's putting on a load of washing or remembering to take the washing out of the machine. Oh, my God, yeah. Today. Yeah. Today, not tomorrow or the next day. Or this week. This week, yeah. Because, I mean, what's your record for the number of times you've washed washing? Oh, look, I think really probably only twice. Oh, my goodness. But. How long did it stay in there between washes? Well, well, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I may have just hung it up anyway. Yeah. Oh, no, the smell. (laughs) There must be time. My eldest daughter has taken over wash because clothes just wouldn't get washed Mm. because I'd put them in and do them and then the washing machine sings beautifully and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. And then you think, oh, well, it's been a day. I better wash it again. Yep. And so sometimes clothes would be washed six, seven times. Mm -hmm. They're either really, really clean or there's no colour left in them. I know. Well, I've actually taken to setting a timer on my watch to ping at me to go and get the washing out of the machine. Yeah. And, you know, the machine Your kids will be old enough. They'll take over soon. Oh, I don't think so. Maybe not. (laughs) I I can hope, but no, I know that's never going to happen. But I will look at the time that the the washing machine tells me and I'll go, all right, set my timer for 45 minutes. Yeah. It'll ping. I will usually get up at the time that it pings at me and I'll go and do it. But then I may also forget to put the next load in. Yeah. So, you know, that's normal. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Uh, So... From, I guess, from your experiences, have you had any advert, like negative reactions or negative responses or is there anything about this that you think, oh, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be? I think probably the biggest thing that I've struggled with, I suppose, on a negative side or a, you know, less than awesome side is that every now and then I 
start to go back down the rabbit hole of why am I like this Mm. or why do I do this? Am I ever going to get any better at doing this? And sometimes I feel like I am at the bottom of a well looking up going well there's all the executive function skills and there's all the <laughs> at least you can see them now yeah That's there's all the neurotypical <laughs> skills that other people have learnt, and I'm down here just trying to keep my head above water mm. and other times I'm the one leaning over at the top of the well and I feel like I can offer a rope to somebody yeah. who's down there yeah so I don't have so many days of wishing I was different mm. I have days of I have strategies that I can try I have people I can ask I have resources I can go to what can I try next Mm. whereas before I wouldn't try things uh, you know structured activities or routines because I knew I was going to fail was it going to work anyway (laughs) like how many years have you started a journal yeah and got to January 3rd and never written again yeah how many diets and health kicks have you been on where you think this is going to change my life, this mm. is the one, and you get seven or eight days into it and think... I think you're doing well, seven days. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly yeah. right. Um, but you think, oh, no, this is actually really hard yeah. or I've got to go out with my friends mm. and I'm having dinner and, yeah, suddenly the diet's forgotten about. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I suppose, a hopefulness that I have now mm. that... I don't have to struggle as much. I'm allowed to put my hand up and say, I need help with this. Or I can go to courses and find out how to understand and accept my brain differently. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm excited Mm. about the future that I have. I'm excited about the possibility that I may be able to help other people find their way forward. And I'm excited about maybe helping my kids Mm. with struggles that they may have. And being able to let them know that it's okay to be different and it's okay to think about things differently and do things differently. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think what most people want is a task that's done. Yeah. And however you happen to get there, as long as it's not risky or hurting yourself. Or illegal. Or illegal, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As long as it's not those things. Yeah. You've done the job. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think that your anxiety and depression has lessened? Yeah, Mm. it has. One of the things that led me to pursuing the diagnosis was feeling, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, feeling that they didn't explain enough Mm. about the things that I struggled with on a daily basis. Um, The time management, the procrastination, the disorganisation. I'd been medicated at a good level. I'd been doing regular psychology for two years in this, you know, last period. And I still found so many things hard yeah and since being diagnosed I feel like the depression and anxiety is around there somewhere in the back of my mind but it's not something I battle with and Mm. I think with the depression probably a lot of the self-loathing that I Mm. was challenged with led to that or contributed to that whereas now I am I have more energy I have more focus I have more clarity it doesn't last me 24 hours. but Take I what have, you can get, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. If I get 10 hours of what I call function yeah. in a day, I am delighted. Yeah. And I don't have that depression and anxiety in the way that I did before. Mm. And I think they were, 
you know, they can often have extremely common factors with ADHD. Yeah. But I think that they were the easy diagnoses. So I was wondering, do you think that you had anxiety and depression or do you think that you were misdiagnosed with anxiety and depression or perhaps they were symptoms of the ADHD? And I think they were symptoms of the ADHD. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was about 18 um, and I was studying at university and one of the lecturers was doing a psychology unit with us and we had to have an individual chat with him and he said, I think you have depression. And I got really angry, Mm. not with his diagnosis. He wasn't a healthcare professional. Mm. But I just instinctively knew that that wasn't it. Yeah. My, you know, even then, my self-criticism, being so down on myself if something didn't go the way I thought it should, it was so huge. Mm. And I can see, I guess now, why he thought that that might have been depression but it was just my ADHD screaming for identification. Also, can you see why I thought it was useful for to come up and tell a complete stranger that? Oh, he wasn't a complete stranger, but well, yeah. You know, you know what I mean, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially as a non-healthcare yeah. professional. It was a little dangerous. Mm. But I, I was really angry. I'm like, no, I don't have depression. Yeah. There's something going on here, There's but it's something not that. Yeah. And... Yes, look, life has taken us down a few challenging pathways and I have had depression and anxiety Mm. genuinely. But I do believe that for the majority of my adult life in particular, I have been dealing with the effects of ADHD which contribute to anxiety and depression. Mm. And one of the things that I get down about is why didn't someone notice this earlier? Mm. So many aspects of my life could have been so, so different. And... That was one of the questions, but I guess you answered it because you learnt coping strategies to mask them. Yeah, absolutely. And I have continuously throughout my career been told that I am conscientious and thoughtful yeah. and fastidious mm. and also extremely exhausted. Yeah. At the end of my work day, I go home and there's, there's nothing, nothing in the tank. Yeah. And that's not great when you have kids who mm. need you and who need your evening Yeah, when all you want to do is nothing yeah and I have made choices around how many hours a week I work Mm. or how much I'm available for work because of knowing that my social energy my you know my communication tank all of those things are so limited and impacted by the amount of brain energy that's Mm. required for me to get through a normal day yeah so it's been a process of accepting that, no, I don't want to go out on Saturday night with my friends or yeah. with my husband's friends because I know that it's going to leave me with a social hangover for two or three days yeah. that I can't afford. No, because I still have to raise my children and I've got to go to work as well. So That's right. <laughs> something's got to give. So with that in mind, what type of – so, you know, you said that you wish that people had recognised this in you sooner – what should we and I guess going back to what we said before we see the typical presentation and I hate using that word typical presentation but the one that we know more about stereotypical presentation of ADHD we know what to look for in boys Mm -hmm. what should we be looking for in our girls fidgeting Hmm? things like they're called body focused repetitive behaviors so pulling hairs out eyebrows I used to sit in my maths class and pull hair the rough ones, the weird ones, uh, biting fingernails, 
fidgeting, never being able to sit still in your chair. I learnt, as much as I fidget, I learnt very early on in my life that getting out of a chair and walking out of a a class or a meeting wasn't socially acceptable. Mm. And as a good girl, that's not what you did. Yeah. And I learnt to be a good girl. Yeah. Don't rock the boat. Don't ask too many questions. Mm -hmm. Don't interrupt. Mm. Be polite. Don't necessarily express your own opinions. So a lot of the girls are going to experience maybe drifting off in class, maybe thinking about... I don't know, what outfit they're going to wear to school tomorrow or Mm. lots of – it's been a long time since I was a girl. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like, you know, struggling to participate for fear that they might say the wrong thing as well, you know, those types of things. Not having self-belief in maybe things that I think or maybe politics or – look, I just – I know that I withdraw from certain aspects of adult life Yeah, because I don't have the capacity to – have the Think of through knowledge. the structure, yeah. the the steps, the logistics of a particular thought or a particular social justice is- issue. Mm. I know that I am ignorant about many of those things and I choose to maintain some of that yeah. because I just emotionally cannot take those things on. Yeah. So some girls in school may feel that they've, they're sad about something mm. or they're angry about something on a social level but they feel that maybe someone's going to misunderstand the way they express it or they don't want to step out of line with their peers. And there's, you know, there's peer pressure at the best of times. But when you may feel that you're already a little bit different, don't draw attention to yourself. Forgetfulness, I think, is probably a big thing for girls. Again, I may be stereotyping, but my mum and I have this bit of a laugh about the fact that every time we went to the shops... I was leaving my purse at home. <laughs> and when I remembered this recently and I, I sent her a message um, joking about it, she's like, I seriously thought that was legitimately an excuse. I'm like, no, I never deliberately forgot my purse so yeah. I couldn't buy so anything. I had to borrow money. <laughs> I just forgot to take it yeah. because my mind didn't go to the make step sense. where I'm going to yeah. want to spend money. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. I'm going shopping. Of course I'll need my purse. Oh. But – that at the moment I'm going shopping, I need shoes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's just so many things about everybody's experience of ADHD. This morning when I was coming here, I had put in a little pile the books that I wanted to bring, my phone, my sunglasses. I then moved the books and put them on my husband's lap while I was talking to him. I then went and did something else, came back. He said, do you want to take these books? Oh, yeah. Took them up to my be- my daughter's bedroom and helped her make her bed. Then left them on the side table. Then went back and got it. Moved it to somewhere else. And then left my phone and the books oh, in the house. <laughs> so I got to the car. And thankfully, I remembered before I took out, out of the driveway. But I just... There's just so many things in my life. And I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, yeah, I forget my keys or I forget yeah. X, Y, and Z all this the time. Is every day though, right? Every day, yeah. numerous times. Yeah. You know, reading a recipe. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I will read that recipe 25 times while I'm cooking it and I will still, still miss, miss a step. step. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed, yeah. 100% of the time, I have missed seasoning. I have yeah. missed stirring the eggs before you do this. And it's been in the oven wonder- 10 minutes. Do you reckon I can still put the eggs in? <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> and I wonder why something tastes a little bit different to yeah. last time. So yeah, it's it's every day's a school day is yeah. what I'm telling myself. I'm yeah. always learning something about me and remembering the different things that I've done as a kid, as yeah. an adult. And it's and often I think very funny. Those things that we see on Facebook that you know, I went to go put the towels away and then noticed that the linen cupboard was mm-hmm. messy. So mm-hmm. I opened the doors and realised I needed to, you know, get the spray and wipe. So I went to go get the spray and wipe and then the pantry had this. So, And this is how I ended up sitting on the floor surrounded by yep, <laughs> whatever yep, yep. that might be. Those jokes are there for a reason yep. because that is what people's experiences yep. are. And you think, and the towels still aren't in the linen <laughs> cupboard. <laughs> yeah. So now I've got 12 jobs instead of just one. Yeah, that's um, right. But it's, oh. it's about finding the joy in those moments, it right? It is, it is. And, you know, finding your purse in the fridge or your keys in the laundry basket or yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's Stuff happens. And yeah. at the end of the day, these things are not going to end the world mm. or even your day. You yeah. just need to move on. And I'm finding more and more the ability to just go, oh, well, that happened. Laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. Move on. <laughs> Find your keys and we're good to go. Yeah. So if you were talking to somebody who was considering getting diagnosed, what would you tell them? Do you know what the funny thing was? Listening to an audiobook on the way here this morning, this was the exact thing that she was talking about. And um, the steps of reading, just reading and, in my case, listening to audiobooks because I can't read past a sentence yeah. anymore. Researching, watching the videos on YouTube talking to people that you might know that have ADHD what's it like for you mm. I experience this is that something that you can connect to talking to family members what do you see that I do and ask them to be positive and mm. constructive not critical what do you see that I do that you have questions about mm. is this a possibility do you see this in me yeah these are the things that I connect to off this checklist. Is this what you see? Mm. So having that trusted person, really important that you trust I was them. Say, you have to have that trust. And yeah. uh, feel supported by them. Now, it might be a parent. It might be a partner. It could even be a sibling. Or a friend or a work or a colleague. Or a friend or a work colleague. Yeah. But just having a little bit of courage and being able to say, I'm considering this. How does it sound? Mm. Then going to your doctor and preferably one that is trustworthy and supportive and a really nice person. Yeah. And then... Doesn't accuse you of being a drug seeker. That's exactly right. Then you may need to have some kind of uh, assessment by maybe a psychologist. You will need to see a or talk to a psychiatrist for medication. Obviously, that depends on where you're Mm. living. I'm seeing a lot more around online telehealth appointments yeah, yeah. which is really useful for a lot of people who live in distant remote yeah. places that's great again being prepared that there will be a waiting list yeah and there will be the possibility that this could be six months before you even speak to somebody again about it put a couple of reminders in your phone put reminders so you in your don't phone miss that absolutely ask to go on their cancellation list yeah find out from the doctors what do i need to have in place before I go and see this psychiatrist, neuropsychologist. And that's something to point out, that neuropsychologists can do the assessments, but then you'll still need to see a psychiatrist Uh, for medication. In Australia, that's the way it goes anyway. Mm -hmm. So your GP can't do the medication? They may be... um, able to work with a psychiatrist in the future. Yeah. Uh, And they may be able to continue the prescription, but... 
it's very heavily regulated here in Western Australia. So it is probably more likely just to be the psychiatrist. Now, look, I understand that for a lot of people, um, one reason not to get investigated is that it can be very expensive, Mm. depending on your healthcare system where you live. That may be less than in other places. Mm. But after 44 years of struggling, every cent that I put into my diagnosis was worth it. Yeah, you're 100% worth it. Yeah. Saying that, do you know roughly how much it did cost or have you decided not to add it up because it's too depressing? I would think, to the point of diagnosis, I would say around Mm $1,500. And then, of course, follow-up appointments, which, you know, in starting medication, initially they were maybe two or three weeks apart and then monthly, and I think it's now been about two months since I've last spoken to my psychiatrist. But the appointments get shorter, so less expensive in that way. But for $1,500 to be able to feel like you've got capacity to live. Oh, my goodness. It is literally the most valuable thing I have done for yeah. myself in my life. Mm. And my husband agrees with me. He, he often comments on how much my life has changed, how much change he can see in me. Yeah. I'm still the same Angela. Yeah. But the way in which I can put a meal together without tears and tantrums just from me... <laughs> Without the paralysis of, I don't know how to start this task, has been life-changing. And I was talking to a group of friends last week about my diagnosis and I'm saying, my life is so different. Yeah. It's so much better in so many ways. And yes, I have days where I think, why didn't someone pick this up? Mm. Why do I still have so many struggles? But I have been given this chance to open the door to new possibilities and to look forward to what my future might be. Yeah. And that's exciting yeah. and it's wonderful to have the chance to do that. So I've forgotten. Did you say you're 43 or 44? Can I say 40? No, I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I was paying attention. But you're, you've still got 50, 60 years ahead of you. Yeah. To be able to – like, yes, it would have been great if you'd made these changes sooner or if somebody had noticed them sooner – but it's not like you've gone, oh, well, it's too late now. Yeah. Like this, you've still got, sadly, at least 20 more years of work oh, ahead of you. No, 50, 60 more years of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I do. And I think knowing that I have ways in which I can help other people differently now, mm. in which I can help myself, I know that there are things that I might be able to ask for in a workplace to help support yeah. my differences. That's really encouraging. Yeah. Um, And I think people, if they are really struggling in their workplaces, should be willing to just say, I don't need to tell my boss what is actually going on with my diagnosis, but I have a right to say, this is something that I need some help with. Yeah. What can you as an employer offer? How can we make this work so that I can do the best job I can? And look, I dream of a day when people can talk about diagnosis and know that when they do that it's going to be used so that the employer can support them in the best way possible Mm -hmm. and not as an excuse for an employer to get rid of a staff member yes or you know to make it difficult for them so I would hope that any of our staff would come and say you know what I have ADHD what can we do differently Mm -hmm. so that I can participate in these staff meetings so 
you know, and we do have some staff members who have ADHD and it's going, you know what, you don't need to sit down during the staff meeting. You can stand up. You can bring fidget toys in with you. If you want to walk around the table, you can, knowing that if we're doing a full day meeting, we're going to stop every 40 minutes mm-hmm. so ev- and everybody has to stand up and do whatever weird yoga pose I decide. <laughs> but, you know, so it's not just going, okay, well, our ADHD people, if you just want to um, give yourself a little wiggle yeah. and the rest of us are just going to keep going, you know. Yeah. It's- I think that's really amazing that you're doing that as an employer and as a workplace. I think that's really supportive and inclusive. I just think that should be normal. And so it should be normal. It's, it's not anything um, impressive at all. <laughs> I was looking at a, a Facebook group the other day and one of the – people was asking about fidget jewellery yeah, because they have been told very clearly that no fidget devices are allowed in their meetings. So they, you know, no matter how discreet. That's ridiculous. That is so unfair. Not only is it unfair, it's not in anyone's best interest. No. It's certainly not in the best interest of the rest of the staff who Mm -hmm. have to deal with someone who doesn't know where to yeah. direct their energy yes, absolutely. if I'm sitting on my hands and concentrating so hard on not blurting out an yeah. answer or walking out of a meeting just to take a change uh, you know a, a break how can I contribute my best yeah so I, I felt really sad for that person and hopefully they've been able to work their way around it but yeah. it's great that there's so many more interesting and cool things that people can use yeah just to help them with that focus yeah but we shouldn't have to hide these things. No, so. no, no, no. And if you were going to talk to somebody whose family members are going through this, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them? Research as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot more support out there for family members, partners of people with ADHD, parents of children with ADHD. Uh, so many organisations, so many um, Facebook pages and websites and places that you can take information from. Avoid the ones that seem a little bit less reliable. Um, A little bit more scientific can be more useful to you. But I think being willing to have the conversation and to really genuinely listen to your person's Mm. experience. Tell me exactly what it's like for you. Yeah. How does this feel when X, Y and Z happens? Mm. And how can I help you cope with that? Make that different? Um, is that something maybe I just need to take over because it's so challenging yeah. for you? So a willingness to work with mm. that person to accept that they might do di- things differently and to help them be able to recognise that this is something we can probably laugh at mm. but you don't need to berate yourself over. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of places for carers of all kinds to take help from which is, again, a really awesome thing about this day and age. Um, and I think sometimes, I've read many times actually, people see their partner get diagnosed or their child get diagnosed and they recognise it in themselves and suddenly their life is changing and they're able to help their other, yeah. their significant person mm. to go forward with their life because they suddenly Let's understand. Let's do it together. Yeah. They're both fighting the same battle yeah. here. So let's... Be partners in this process. Let's find um, routines and strategies and techniques Mm. that we can all work together as a family, as a workplace that can make this better for all of us. Mm. So, yeah, I would encourage family members to reach out to other family members of people with ADHD, uh, find those support networks and take in as much information as you can because it might be that 
your loved one has a question or a struggle and they don't know where to go for that help but you're then able to say well listen this is something I just read yeah it was only a meme but it just goes to show you that maybe you're not alone in this yeah yeah and I think being able to just have those little moments of identification mm. and relate is so helpful my brain is absolutely whizzing <laughs> <laughs> um have you got thank you so much for all of sharing all of this today before we finish up have you got any final thoughts or anything else that you'd like to share I want people to have courage you know yourself the best out of everybody and if you have even an inkling that this might be something that you're working Mm. with that you're struggling against then please go and talk to somebody Mm. please do a little bit of research for yourself even if it's just for that self-diagnosis validation yeah We may not always get those self-diagnoses right, but at the end of the day, if there's boxes that you're ticking and you think, hmm, maybe I need to look into this, don't do the ADHD thing of putting it off until tomorrow. (laughs) Maybe just do it today. Yeah. Because this could change your life. Mm. And I have absolutely no regrets about following down this path. And I hope that there are other people who have a successful journey it's not going to be easy Mm. it's bumpy at times but explore at least open the door yeah and see what's through the door that says ADHD sometimes when you go to open the door you get met with people like the doctor that you get Mm. met with close that door and open another one definitely you know sort of my favorite analogy around it is when looking at counselling mm-hmm. or going to doctors, whatever, if you go and you find something and it doesn't fit, often it's really easy to just go, oh, no, it's too hard. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it. You know, it's took all my courage to do this and then I've been shot down. I can't put myself through mm-hmm. that again. But if you go and you try on shoes mm-hmm. and they don't fit and you get a blister, you don't give up wearing shoes. No. You find another pair of shoes yeah. or you go and buy a whole heap of Band-Aids. Yep. So, you know... <laughs> Find another mm-hmm. pair of shoes, go to a different GP or buy Band-Aids, take a support person with you yeah. who can be another voice to be proactive for you and to yeah. be supportive and to say to a doctor, you're being a complete knob right now. Yes, definitely. So- <laughs> <laughs> you know, even just start with the organisation in your town, state, yeah. territory, which will help you find a doctor. Mm. You know, they have lists of doctors who are, A, taking new clients, B, willing to at least talk to you about it, or C, they've been recommended by other patients, other clients. So what are those organisations called? In Western Australia, it's the ADHD WA group, or ADHD Australia. Oh, there's numerous in the States and Canada. I'll just yeah. I'll have a look at both of those two and yep. find some links and put them in the show notes mm. as well. So at least that's a starting point yeah. for people if they are at the beginning of this journey. Another really amazing YouTube channel that mm-hmm. I came across was How to ADHD. <laughs> and I actually came across that from a TED Talk um, by Jessica McCabe, who is the, the host of the mm-hmm. AD, How to ADHD uh, channel. And... I was in tears listening to this TED talk because I just heard and felt everything that she said about her experience. Mm. She was fortunate to be diagnosed as a 12-year-old. Yeah. But then I moved on to her YouTube channel and it's just short snippets of a different aspect of living with ADHD. 
and again just that validation and knowing that I'm not the only person that struggles with time management or time blindness or organizing a meal there and are, that there's names to those there's things names as well. To those things. And if there's a name, clearly yeah. you're not the only one who's yeah. struggling with it. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, she does a lot of research around the different topics and she'll put this weekly video out and there's always something interesting to learn from those yeah. things and lots of people contribute to them and it helps me. Oh, look, I can't sit through a 45-minute lecture on ADHD, mm. but I can give 10 minutes just out of interest, mm-hmm. you can't sit through a 45-minute lecture. Can you sit through five of the 10-minute videos? Not without getting up a few times. <laughs> or putting, you know, I'll have my headphones yeah. on, my noise-cancelling headphones, and I'll have it on the TV playing and I'll go and do something while I'm listening. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things oh. that I can't watch a whole movie, but I can watch seven hours of episodes <laughs> back to back. <laughs> it's very much the case for all of our... Uh, neurodivergent brains yeah, yeah. that's it oh, awesome yeah. um well there's some sounds like some really great resources there so i'll go and find all of the links and i'll put those in the show notes so yeah. thank you for sharing those but most of all thank you for coming in and sharing so much of your story and um being an oversharer which was delightful <laughs> uh, so i really appreciate everything that you've brought today yeah thank you very much Emma. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.